Look with me again this evening to 1 Timothy, the, the sixth chapter. For those of you that haven't been with us, this is one of our special meetings we have in the year. We call it our uh, greater faith. Because in God, there's always more. Always up. Higher. Further. And uh, faith is connected to that. Things are not just all up to God. We have a significant part, a uh, responsibility in what happens in our lives. And just because something is the will of God and the plan of God, that does not mean it is going to happen in your life. Now, a lot of folks don't believe that, but put your nose in the book. Right? <clears throat> and one thing we have been looking at where faith is concerned it that there is more to faith than believing. We, we saw last night, James, second chapter, there's demon faith. I don't want no demon faith. How about you? There, <clears throat> there's dead faith. Neither of those gets results, and yet it's a form of believing. But it's believing that has no action, no expression, no doing. <clears throat> Living faith acts. We saw in the first night where the children of Israel facing the Red Sea and Pharaoh and his troops coming down the back and, and they're crying and carrying on. And, and the Lord said, quit crying and move. wonder if that still applies today. Quit crying, quit blubbering, quit wasting Kleenexes, quit carrying on, <clears throat> right? And get it in gear. Get to moving. Get to moving. In 1 Timothy 6.12, <clears throat> we saw this. What does it say? Fight the good fight. Of faith, then what? Lay hold. Lay hold. Who does that? I do. Who fights the fight? Who lays hold? I do. Not God. Yeah. Not God. Me. Yeah. You. Yeah. <clears throat> There's been a lot of emphasis on grace. And man, you can never exhaust the subject of grace. And you don't want to ever say anything negative about grace. Without grace, there's nothing else. You wouldn't have any faith except for grace. It's by grace. It's all of and from grace. But that's not the end of it. Grace is God's part. Hmm? Not our part. You don't have to work on grace. <clears throat> grace is there. Grace is faithful. Grace is solid. Never changing. But that's not all there is to it. It's by grace through faith. Our part is what accesses grace. And living faith does something. You'll hear some people talking about, well, you know, the biggest thing 
is that it's all up to God anyway. And so you just need to let go and let God. And see, people think that's a scripture. But does that sound like this verse? No. Huh? No. Fight the good fight of faith. Let go. Let go. Is it about the same? No. Lay hold. Let go. No. No. No, not the same at all. And we talked about God's first generation of people that he delivered out of Egyptian bondage. They did not experience the plan of God in their life. Even though Hebrews uh, chapter 3 and 4, if you read them together, the scripture said the works were finished from the foundation of the world for them to go in. And yet the Lord said, they're not going in. Just what we were reading about, the, the good land, the houses they didn't build, the wells they didn't dig, that was God's plan for all of the people who died in the desert. Them dying in the desert, young and wrong, was not the will of God. It was not the plan of God. Now, if you think it was, you're confused, and it will absolutely undermine your faith in receiving from God. The Bible said the works were finished before they were born for them to go in. And to say it was God's will for them to perish out there is to also say their unbelief was the will of God. Their rebellion was the will of God. Their disobedience was the will of God. No way, no how. Why did they not enjoy what God had for them? Would not fight. They would not rise up. And face the fears. And face the giants. They would not strap on their gear. And go take it. Passive. Passive. And that's what that demon faith is. Said the demons believe and shudder with fear. But they won't do anything. They won't repent. They won't act on any of that belief. And the enemy for centuries has suppressed the church with these ideas, you need to be quiet. You just need to sit back and don't, don't ask, don't be greedy, don't be greedy. Don't ask for anything and just take what comes your way and be happy. Yep, be happy with what the enemy's doing. Be happy with him stealing, killing, and destroying. And yet, people act like there is no devil. And attribute everything to God. Everything that happens, they, they want to say is somehow the mysterious will of God. It is not true. Listen to what we call the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Help me out. Thy will be done. Yeah, but if it's already being done, we don't need to pray that it would be done. I know 
some years ago, I, I like everybody else that didn't know the difference. I knelt with my pastor by the bedside of a woman from the church who had been pronounced terminal. And we prayed, oh God, healer, if it be thy will. If not, thy will be done. Now, now what are we praying? Help me out. What are we, we're saying, God, <clears throat> you're going to do what you're going to do. No matter what we do. So if it was your will to heal her, you'll heal her. And of course, I guess you'd have healed her whether we prayed or not. And if it wasn't your will to heal her, then you wouldn't heal her. No matter what we prayed. So why are we praying? <laughs> I'm serious. If you're going to do what you're going to do. No matter what we do, this is religious confusion. It is religious darkness. And you can't have faith to receive a healing until you are absolutely 100% convinced God wants you well. As long as you're questioning that, you can't have faith to receive a healing. You can't. That's where faith begins. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And it's through that that you find out His will. And the Bible said, don't be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. He expects us to find out His will through His Word and by His Spirit and then hold on to it like a bulldog with a fresh bone. God gave it to me, right? And I am going to enjoy it. Lay hold. Somebody say, lay hold, lay, lay hold, lay, that's not letting go, that's lay hold, lay hold. Yes, yes. Y'all okay? Lay hold. Go to James, the fourth chapter. I'm so thankful that the Lord gives us good things. He enlightens our eyes and our heart. He gives us answers. <clears throat> Don't sleep the next few minutes. <laughs> answers are here for some very significant issues. Some things that the Lord's been working in us all week, we're getting to. Next few moments. So don't drift off. If, if you see your neighbor nodding off, bump, bump him a little bit. Go, hey, hey. So you can sleep later. Don't, don't miss this. Don't miss this. James, the fourth chapter, and verse 17. <clears throat> James 4, 17 says, Therefore to him that knows to what? Do She stop with that next word. Knows to what? Do. 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 We've been talking about all week how that unless there's some doing involved, there's no living faith. There's no faith that gets results. So to him that knows to do a good thing and what? Doesn't do it. To him, it's sin. 
Now, every one of those phrases is obviously significant. Did you notice it didn't say it was sin in general? What did it say? To him. People might say, well, isn't sin sin? There's right and wrong. Transgression of the law is sin. Uh, Romans says whatever is not of faith is sin. But what sin is to you is inseparable from what you know. I said what sin is to you is inseparable from what you know. It's violation of light. That's one of the reasons we are commanded not to judge. Because we are woefully unqualified. What do you mean? Because how do I know what you see and what you don't see? How do I know what light you have and what you don't have? And you'll find it's a full-time job walking in the light you have. It will keep you occupied seven days a week. To, I'm going to read from the, the Young's literal translation. It says, to him therefore, no, excuse me, to him then, knowing to do good and not doing, sin it is to him. Because it's something you knew. Something you knew that was good. Something you knew to do. To do and you didn't do it. <clears throat> and sin is missing the mark. Doesn't mean God doesn't love you anymore. It just meant you missed it. But sin can open the door to the enemy. That's his realm. His domain is the domain of the disobedient. He is the leader of the rebellion against God. And sadly, most of the human beings on the planet have joined him in defiance and rejection of God. And it has to do, every man, every woman will be held accountable for the light they had. For what you did. And no matter what you told other people, God knows what you know. He was there when he showed you. <laughs> you can act like you didn't know it, but he knows. You know it. And so being honest about what you see and know is a huge part of being humble. You show me a humble person, I'll show you an honest person. They are inseparable. And a big part of pride is falseness, phoniness. And pride is coupled with deception. Say it out loud. To him that knows to do good and doesn't do it. To him, it's sin. The NIV says anyone then who knows the good he ought to do. And doesn't do it. Sins. And like we said. That 
when you disobey willingly, knowingly, then you disconnect from blessing and help and grace. And you open the door for the enemy. And, and we're warned, don't give the enemy any place. Why? Because what will he do with place? He will steal. He will kill. He will destroy. And he is watching. I know it's not a nice thought, but he has assigned spirits to you to watch you and me. And he's always looking for a point of access to get to us, to hurt us. If we'll listen to God. If we'll walk in faith, if we'll walk in the light we have, He can't touch us. He can't touch us. Even when we do things ignorantly, the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all unrighteousness. And when you do realize that you've messed up, be quick to acknowledge it and repent and receive, and the enemy can't touch you. But if you purpose purposefully... Willingly know what he said to do and then say, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. That's when the door gets opened. And that's when bad things can happen to good people, to Christian people. And it's not God doing it. Now, I want to talk a little bit about some personal areas where our bodies are concerned. Is that okay with you? Go with me to um, the book of Proverbs and the 18th chapter. Proverbs 18 and verse 9. I had the privilege of working in Brother Kenneth Hagin's ministry and the healing school there. And so for years, day in, day out, we saw people who had uh, physical attack and symptoms, many of them diagnosed uh, terminal, incurable. And so we, we ministered in that area for a number of years, saw a lot of miracles, and also saw some people that didn't receive. And in our camp, <clears throat> some of the areas about not receiving are like taboo. Don't talk about it. But you never made any progress by hiding and pretending things. So are you believing with me right now? <clears throat> in order to get results in faith, all week, what have we been talking about? You must be a, a doer, not just a talker, not just a meeting goer, not just a book reader. Amen. Got to be a doer. a doer. Now, this uh, passage in Proverbs 18.9 says, He that is slothful, that's another word for lazy, in his, bro- in his work, that's doing, is a brother to him that is a great waster. Uh, purposefully choosing to be passive and do nothing is not innocent. It's of the same spirit as a destroyer. 
This is the wisdom of God. Let me read some other translations to you. The God's Word translation says, Whoever is lazy in his work is related to a vandal. That's somebody that defaces things and destroys things. Who's related to that? Somebody who just won't do anything. Is related to a destroyer. The Living Translation says, A lazy person is as bad as someone who destroys things. Now listen to the Septuagint. This is a highly respected translation here. It says, A man who helps not himself by his labor or by his work is brother of him that ruins himself. Not helping yourself is related to ruining yourself because you wind up at the same place. Now, does that sound like James or not? To him that knows, what? Knows something to do and won't do it. It's sin. It's not just an ignorant omission. Why? Because you knew something to do. You knew something to do, but you wouldn't do it. We, we, we need to realize that revelation and knowledge and understanding is a responsibility. If you know it, you need to realize without God, you would have never found out. Yeah, amen. Too many times people have, they've not appreciated spiritual things because they haven't been as spectacular as they imagined they would be. But the truth is, God is faithful. And when you mean business with Him, He hears your prayers. And He answers your prayers. Now you may not always recognize when He's answering your prayer. That takes some discernment. But every time you find out something good, you want to stop and thank God. Because unless he had allowed you to find it out, you'd have never known it. But now that you know something good, I said now that you know something good, come on, help me, what's next? I've got to do something with this knowledge. I got to do something with this. Not just sit on it. And not just talk about it's all up to God. Because it's not all up to God. Now listen to the Amplified on this. And this, I believe this is the classic Amplified. He said, He who is loose and slack in his work is brother to him who's a destroyer. And he who does not use his endeavors to heal himself is a brother to him who commits suicide. Why? What's wrong? Because he knew something to do. And did nothing. Are you all awake? Yes. 
Now, Phyllis and I have been pastoring now for, uh, what, 22 plus years. We were in the ministry 20 years before that. Got a lot of friends in the ministry. And, and so in this length of time, you encounter a lot of situations. Like I said, in, in healing school, I encountered these daily of situations where people are facing uh, diagnosis, prognosis that is not good. And oftentimes, there's a question about a procedure. Do There's a surgery that's available. There's a procedure that's available. Did you hear how quiet it got? <laughs> um, so what do I do? And a lot of times, people default to, well, God doesn't need a procedure. Yeah, but maybe you do. (laughs) What they're saying, God doesn't have to have, He doesn't have to have that to heal me. Right. But you don't receive according to what He can do. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Amen. Where did you ever read? In the scriptures, in Jesus ministering to people where he said, according to my ability. No, sir. No. Uh-uh. According to the, you know, the unmeasurable power of God. Never. Not once. What do you hear? According to your faith. And your faith and my faith is directly connected to our fight. Yes. My fight is connected to my level of faith. My level of fight and my level of faith. Huh? More faith I got, more fight I got. Is that right? The less faith I got, the more help I need. Is that right? The more help I need. To him that knows what? Knows something good. Knows something good to do. But won't do it. It's a mistake. It's a missing it. And if you won't do what you can to help yourself with what you know. Can you see? It can be akin to committing suicide. Yes. And we've seen that. We've seen that where people have said, well, it's just all up to God. No, it's not. No, it's not. And whatever will be, will be. We're just putting it all in His hands. No, you're not. No. You're being foolish. You're being played by the enemy. Yes. Because what are we told to do? Help me out. Help me out. What are we told to do, church? I, I want to hear something. Fight! 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 You get diagnosed with cancer, you tell me what you're going to do. Tell me what you're going to do. You're going to fight. You're going to fight death. You're going to fight disease. You're going to say, I'm going to not die. I'm going to live and declare the work of God. And you use every good thing at your disposal. You fight. You don't lay down and go, well, that's just up to God. It's not up to God. 
He gave you a mind. He gave you a brain. He gave you a spirit. He showed you something to do. And certainly, men and medical science don't have all the answers. But, you can take a natural thing and put some faith in it. And you got a whole other thing going on now. Huh? You got a whole other thing going on now. Because where you, you max out with the limitations of the natural, God gets involved. Y'all okay? Uh, let me give you some reasons why people don't have procedures. Y'all okay? One of the biggest, fear. Fear. Afraid of the unknown. Afraid of being put to sleep. Afraid of a mistake being made. Afraid. Yeah, but if you don't have a procedure because of that, that's not being led by the Holy Spirit. That's being led by fear. Yes. Come on, can you see this? And if you're led by fear, the door is open to the enemy. Fear. Fear of death. Fear of problems. That's not being led by the Spirit. And don't call it faith. It's not faith. Avoiding something. Pretending about it. Refusing to talk about it. None of that is faith. You know another reason why people don't have procedures? Money. Money. And yet, they try to act like, well, no, I'm just going to trust God. When that's not why they're making the decision. They're, making, they're avoiding it because of the money side of it. That's not faith. That's pretending. Come on now. Are you with me? Yes, sir. Another reason? Pride. Doesn't want anybody to know. I'm dealing with it. Doesn't want anybody to know that, you know, and the pride can be, well, other people have to do it, but I don't. Why? Because I'm faith man. Well, if you don't get it right, you can be dead man. <laughs> when you could have had years, could have had years, right? How, how do you make these decisions? Tell me the key to a miracle. What did Jesus' mother, huh? What did Jesus say? His mother said, whatever he says to you, not talk about it, pray about it, meditate, do it, do it, do it, do it, act on it, do it. One uh, reason that people don't do some things is confusion in our camp, especially 
Some years ago, this has been a lot of years ago, an elder minister that I had opportunity to spend some time around, he's old enough to be my grandfather, and that was 25 years ago. He's passed on now. And wonderful man. He came from a different group, different background. And uh, he had a situation come up in his body that just bothered him, interfered with him. But he would just, he'd keep going and he'd preach and just a trooper. And uh, I was able to talk to him one time about it. And he said, yeah, they, you know, they told him they could do this little procedure and it wasn't a big deal. And uh, he said, but you know, I just want to trust God and I don't want to use any means. That was a term they used in his group. Don't want to use any means. So he went for years and was really hampered and really hindered by it. And uh, he's my elder. So when we talked, it didn't sit well with me what he was saying, but I'm the younger. I didn't say anything else. But I prayed about it. I said, Lord, what's going on here? What is this? And the Lord gave me something and said, go, go ask him these questions. <clears throat> so I saw him and sat down in his office and kind of worked the conversation around to it. And I said, uh, I said, brother, I said, uh, you talk about means. I said, have you ever, uh, gotten a splinter he said oh yeah I said well uh, did you ever get it out he said yeah I said maybe get a needle get some alcohol get some tweezers right get some neosporins get a ba- sounds like a procedure I said, it sounds like a procedure, doesn't it? It's a little minor surgery, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. I said, why didn't you just believe for it to dematerialize? He sat back in his chair. He looked at me. With a glint in his eye. He said, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> I said, I'm just asking you, sir. I'm just, what, what do you think? I said, why, why not just believe for it to dematerialize? Because God could make it dematerialize. Right? <clears throat> why get out the needle? But we don't receive. Yes. Based on what God can do, we receive according to our faith. I said, it it was just quicker for your thinking and confidence, and and you believed you could be done with it quicker. Get the needle. Get the tweezers. Is that right? Get it out. Put something on it. He, He said, yeah. I said, what's wrong with that? Now, can you see? That's some knowledge, knowing something to do. Right? 
you know something to do. And to try to act hyper-spiritual and pretend to believe something that you have no confidence to believe is playing games. And it's not real. And it's not right. And that's how people perish. Now, there's another side to this. Because tell me the key to the miracle. Whatever he says to you, do it. I had another elder. This would, man, this is way back. This is 35 years ago. Wonderful man. Good man. Loved God. And uh, he's strong in the church. Wonderful man. He make you laugh just being around him. Good man. And uh, he went in for a checkup. He wasn't that old. And uh, they said he had something with his heart. And so they said he needed a, a really invasive open heart surgery thing. And he wouldn't talk to me about it. And his, his children just d- descended upon him. His kids and his grandkids, oh, you got to have it, you got to have it, you got to do it, you got to do it. And do it, you know, please do it for us, you know. And, and he came to talk to me. He said, Keith, I don't feel good about doing it. I said, don't override your heart, sir. He said, I, I just I just don't feel like I need it. And I don't, I, I know, maybe they're pushing me, they're pushing me, but I, I don't. I said, don't override your heart, sir. Tell me the key to the miracle. Help me out. Well, they wouldn't relent. And they just kept pushing him, pushing him. And I heard a few weeks later, he went to have the procedure. He died on the table, on the operating table. He shouldn't have had the procedure. You all the way? Why? It doesn't matter what the experts recommended. They don't know everything. We respect them. We thank God. We pray for them. But who is your healer? Help me out. There's there's only one healer. And men cannot heal you. Amen. If they do a procedure on you, they didn't heal you. You got to heal after they did the procedure. He is the healer. So whether you do a thing or whether you don't do a thing, everybody's body is different. And your situation is different. And it's a very personal thing. And don't try to get somebody else to make the decision for you. And nobody just wants to go have a procedure or, or go through some uncomfortable things or things that take time and things that might, nobody just wants to do that. But we do have a responsibility to fight yeah. and not just lay down and quit yeah. and not just say whatever will be, will be. That is not faith. That is not right. That is not God. We have to keep getting up and getting after it. And there'll be times you don't feel good and you don't feel like it, but you got to make up your mind. Jesus gave me a long, full life and I'm going to have it. I am not going to be robbed of my days. And if there's some kind of procedure, there's some kind of treatment, then you need to look at it real hard. Right? 
and make up your mind. I'm not led by fear. I'm not led by money. If I need money, the Lord can get me the money. Is that right? I'm not led by pride. You know, everybody has the same kind of body. These bodies help us, Lord. Right? I mean, they are, whew, you know, there's no such thing as a perfect body. They've all been affected by the curse to different levels. What's a, a good, healthy body? One that's just in good, basic operating condition. <laughs> that you can go and do what you need to do and that will last you as long as you need it. But we must not ignore what we know, what we find out. My, the elder <coughs> that I was talking about, he smiled at me. He said, I'm going to pray about that. Next thing I knew, he scheduled the procedure. Next thing I knew, it took half of an afternoon. After that, no more problems. Oh, praise God. He preached for years and years and years. No more problems. Well, that doesn't mean man has the answer for everything. But regardless of what area that you're talking about, don't hole up, close up. And go, well, it's just me and God, and it's just all up to Him. No, no. Pray, seek Him, and He'll show you some things. He'll cause you to find out some things. You'll learn some things. And then when you know something, check your heart. and, And think about not doing it. And think about doing it. Are y'all with me? And see what kind of witness you have. And if you say, well, I'm not going to do it. Yeah, but are you going to be in fear? And are you going to keep thinking the whole time? I should have do something. I should do something. Or if can, can you think about doing it and believe that the Lord would get in there and help them and help you. And you could just soar out of this thing. Just a couple of days ago, uh, we prayed with a friend. And, and we, we prayed with our people many times. And, and in fact... Brother Hagin said on one of those visions, the Lord told him personally, said he saw him. He said, anytime any of my people have any kind of a procedure, ask me to speed up the healing process. How about that? Ask me. Ask me to speed up the healing process. People say, well, the Lord would never tell you to go to the doctor. Well, you don't know him very well. Brother Hagen mentions back in the day when he was on the road so much, he used to write letters, him and Miss Aretha, because they wanted to save money on long-distance phone calls. And he was getting quiet before the service, and the Lord prompted him, get up and go call Aretha, his wife. And he thought, well, I don't want to run up a phone bill. You know, we'll write later. And, and, and laying there praying, the Lord prompted him, get up now and go call her. And he, he kind of procrastinated again. He said, man, it was strong the next time. The Lord said, get up now. Go call her. Tell her to go to the doctor. Wow. Really? Here's an apostle sent to teach my people faith. He did. He jumped up. He went and found the phone. He called her. He said, what's going on? How you doing? And she's acting like, well, it wasn't that big of a deal. He said, the Lord said, go to the doctor now. 
I, I know you don't have an appointment, but call them, do whatever you got to do, get over there now. Well, she did, and they were able to see her, found out she had a condition that was serious. That if she had delayed just a few days, she could have died. Why would the Lord do that? See, he not only knows where Brother Hagin's faith is, he knows where her faith is too. He knows where the whole situation is. Did he have to do it that way? Well, no need in debating that. That's the way he said do it. So, right, whatever he says to do it. Whatever he says do. Whatever he tells you to do. Somebody say, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Luke 5. Go there, please. Can you take a bit more? Luke 5. If you know you don't need it, then you know. There's no fear. But there's no pretending. There's no hiding. And uh, thank God a victory is a victory. Right? And so what we, we prayed over and over, I was about to say, this is how we pray with our people. First of all, you need to know you got a witness to do it. Don't just jump through that part. And don't just do something because somebody said you needed to. You need to pray about it yourself. Get a witness. But then we join faith. We say, Lord, we ask your hand on the doctors, the nurses. Help them to get good sleep. Help them to get good rest. Help them to be sharp, bright in their thinking. Guide their eyes. Guide their fingers. Guide their machinery, their instruments, their equipment. Keep them back from making any mistakes, doing anything they don't need to do. Help them to do perfect work. Even even beyond what they've been able to do before. I have met numerous times through the years surgeons that would come out and they're just beaming, smiling. They're just going, it went really good. I'm like, yeah, I know it did because the Holy Ghost helped you, buddy. I, I know, I know it did. You could just tell they're like, man. We made some breakthroughs today because he showed them some things they didn't know. Showed them some moves they had not made. And then, and then we say, Lord, and once it's complete, we ask you, increase, speed up the healing power working in them, cause them to heal up completely, correctly, quickly. In Jesus, we have seen amazing things happen in this regard. Well, that's a victory. And we've also seen some things where God just did a miracle and nothing natural was required. We've seen both. So what do you do? Whatever. Huh? Not what he told somebody else to do. Whatever he told you to do about this situation right now. Luke 5 Jesus used Peter's boat and their boat to uh, preach out of. Luke 5, 4, <coughs> when he had left speaking, he said to Simon, Launch out into the deep, let down your nets for a draft. Now this is not healing. This is provision. Yes. Everybody awake? Yes, sir. This is money. This is finances. It started out 
with putting the ministry first. Huh? Yes. They, they let Jesus use their equipment. And they, they're out there to help stabilize it and do whatever they needed to do. And he used their boat as a, a floating platform. And he preached. Jesus is not a moocher. As soon as he's finished preaching, they've sown a good seed to him. The Spirit of God prompts him, it's time to reap. Time to reap what? Financially. Materially. He said, Simon, launch out into the deep, let down your nets for a draft or for a catch. Verse 5, Simon answered, said, Master, we toiled all night. We're tired. We didn't take anything. Notice how the enemy will try to rob you of your harvest. By the reasoning. And when you're tired. Tired. Ah, we... uh, you know, we've already been here. You know, Jesus preached longer than 30 minutes. And we've been here a while. And, uh, and we worked all night, you know, fishing before that. And, and, and my bed's calling my name. And, of course, if you launch out and you put all your nets out, then you've got to get them back in. You've got to clean them back up. You've got to stow them. And we're talking about hours here. And his head is going, Master... Look at the phrase, though. Nevertheless. Woo! This, this is where it turns around. This is... Nevertheless. Huh? I know I know about fishing, and I know about this, and I know about that. But forget all that. If you said, if you said, if you said do it at your word, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. That's the difference between who gets miracles and who don't. What if the Lord could not have convinced him to launch out for a catch? Then even though they sowed a good seed into the best ground, they would have missed their harvest. They would not have reaped this amazing harvest. If he couldn't have convinced them. You remember, God couldn't convince the first generation of Israelites to go fight. So they missed out on the whole thing. He couldn't convince them. Don't you like this? Nevertheless. Nevertheless. There's a lot of reasons in my head not to do this. But. Because you said so. I will. Verse 6. Read it out loud to me. When they had this, when they had done, when they had done, when they had done. Now, I know we've been shouting about this all week, but when does the power manifest? When does the miracle working power not when they're sitting listening to the message. Not when they're talking about if they're going to do it or not. Come on, y'all listening. When did the power manifest? When they had done it, then fish come from everywhere. Woo! Glory to God. Great multitude of... This is money, money. They're in the fish business. This is money. 
money. Oh, somebody say glory to God. Glory to God. And they beckon their partners. You know, people around you will be blessed and prospered when you obey. Just because they knew who to hang around. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. They had so much harvest, they couldn't handle it all by themselves. They said, guys, come on, come on, come on. And they beckoned their partners. They were in the other ship. They came and they filled both the ships until they're sinking. Beginning to sink. Because, nevertheless, because of what you say. Hallelujah. Well, that's enough to finish on right there. What do you think? Huh? Another one? Yeah, please. Well, it's Friday night. It's Friday night. You used to stay out late. Is that right? You stay out late on Friday and carry on and... Go with me to Joshua, the 17th chapter. Yeah, you need this. I need it too. The enemy and religion will continually try to shame you about wanting much. Hmm? Oh, just, no, no. Don't be greedy. What does that mean? We don't need much. See, people think that's a sanctified manner. We don't need much. We don't need much. Is that God? He think that way? Have you ever looked up in the night sky? He don't need much. He is the God of more than enough. Way. Way. More than enough. And this continual... Limiting, narrowing is religious concepts from the enemy to box you and corner you and quiet you and keep you ineffectual. You know, Ecclesiastes talks about that the wisdom of a poor man saved a whole city. But nobody knew who the poor man was. Why? Because poverty prevents the wisdom from being wider known. Well, now, does God want the gospel known? Or hidden in a corner? He wants it known. And, And listen carefully now. God's people have not missed it historically... By being too aggressive. They've missed it by being too passive. 
when God created the earth, what did he tell Adam? Subdue it. What? We're made in the likeness and image of God. We're made to rule and reign. We have vision in us. We have hunger in us. If we will let it rise. It's the enemy that wants to suppress this. Somebody say, I'm made to rule and reign. I'm made to rise up. To reach far, to lay hold, to do exploits to the glory of God. I'm made for it. I'm made for it. I'm made for it. But your your, your thinking has to to be renewed because hundreds of years of religion has suppressed it and choked it. Shh, be quiet. Sit down. Hush. Now, this is not about being pushy with people. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. But it's, a, it's about being boxed and narrowed in your own mind and in your own heart. Everything that happened in the, uh, with God's first covenant people it's a type for us. The New Testament says so multiple times. And notice their condition here in Joshua 17. Joshua 17, 14. The children of Joseph spoke to Joshua, who's the leader now, after Moses. And they said, Why have you given me just one lot? And just one portion to inherit? Because we are great people. And the Lord has blessed us. They're complaining to him. That they don't have enough. They don't have enough. And Joshua said. If you are a great people. Get yourself up to the wood country. And cut down for yourself some land there. Go get it. And get get some of that giant land. Because you are great people. See, so many folks, even though they might be of a lot of number, they're so passive. And they just want to whine to somebody else, I need more. I need more. Well, go get it. Go get it. Go get it. Well, no, I thought you would. No. You're great people, remember? We're great people who do great things. Go go get yourself. If Mount Ephraim's too narrow for you, we'll break out. Verse 16, the children of Joseph said, Yeah, but the hill's not enough. Whiners. Lord, deliver us from these whiny babies. Uh, The hill's not enough. And the Canaanites, they got chariots of iron. And Beth Sheetahs and the valley of Jezreel, oh, it's it's too hard. And Joshua spake to the house of Joseph, even to Ephraim and the master said, You are a great people. You don't believe it, but you are. And you got great power. 
And you don't have to have just one lot. I want to hear somebody say, I don't just have to have one lot. I don't just have to have one lot. Uh uh. Nope. Nope. But the mountain will be yours. It's a wood, you can cut it down, the outgoings will be yours. And you will drive out them Canaanites, even though they got iron chariots, and even they're there strong, you can do it. Sounds like our first night message. Quit crying and move. Go get it. Go get it. You're not waiting on God. Not waiting on us. Go get it. Now in the 18th chapter, Get ready to shout. <clears throat> In the 18th chapter and the second verse, listen, this is, this is representative of the church today. There remained among the children of Israel seven tribes. How many tribes are there? Twelve. Seven tribes that had not yet received their inheritance. They don't yet have their own place after all these years and all this stuff over half of the people of God not enjoying their own. Just like tribe of Joseph complaining, whining, we just got one lot and it's too crowded and it's not enough and it's just too narrow and we need help. We need help. Maybe maybe a government program. Government help comes with government control. Y'all listening? I'll just part on that. Verse 3, Joshua said to the children of Israel, How long are you slack to go to possess the land? What are you waiting on? He's talking to over half of the people of God. Seven whole tribes. And they think they're waiting on God or something. He says, what are you waiting on? Why are you slack to go to possess the land which the Lord God your fathers has given you? And I don't know about every ear that it fell on, but I know there was one group that heard it. There was one group that heard this, and man, their ears went up, and their hearts stirred up. You know who it was? You know who it was? It was the tribe of Judah, the praising bunch, the shouting bunch, the bunch that turns their amplifiers up real loud. Yeah! Judah! Judah heard this charge about why are you slack to go to possess the land? And they looked at each other and they go, yeah, what are we waiting on? What are we waiting on? Strap on your gear. Strap on your gear. Let's go get our land. Let's, let's go do it now. 
So they sang and they praised and they shouted and they fought. And so they took some land. And then they sent back word to headquarters and said, man, we got this. We got this. They said, well, you got any land the south of you? Yeah. Take it. Take it. Somebody say, take it. Take, take it. So they said, okay. So, man, they strapped up. They fought toward that direction. They took a whole sections and sections back there. And they sent back word. They said, we got it. We got it. They said, got some land to the west? Yeah. Take it. Take it. Take it. Now, what would the enemy say? Don't be greedy. Don't be greedy now. That's just a plenty. That's the enemy talking to you. I said, that's the enemy talking to you. Take it. Take it. So they said, okay, sir. Yes, sir. They strapped up again. They launched over there. They campaigned. They fought. They took, they took, they took, they took. Then they sent word. They said, we got it, man. We got it. Any left to the north? Yeah. Take it. Take it. Take it all to you. Take it. Take it. They strapped up. They fought. They took. They conquered. They laid hold. They laid hold. They possessed to the right, to the left, to the front, to the back. Nobody stopped them. Nobody stood in their way. Nothing limited them. They took it and they took it and they took it and they took it. I know God was smiling. He's been wanting to see this since he brought the first parents out of Egypt. He's been wanting to see this. He said, it's yours. I gave it to you. Go get it. Take it. Take it. Now look at verse 9. What's the result? Of all of this taken. Out of the portion of the children of Judah was the inheritance of Simeon. Huh? Well, Simeon, obviously one of those seven tribes that hadn't possessed theirs yet. (coughs) And the whole (coughs) tribe of Simeon moved in. To some of the land that Judah had taken. You know why? You know why? Come on, read the scripture. Read the scripture. For the part of the children of Judah was what? Was what? It was too much. It was too much. Is that a bad thing? Or is that a good thing? It was too much. It was too much. When they took all of that. And they got through with that. 
And the tribes were still, some of them hadn't even started taking their land. And, and, and somebody got to talking to Simeon. And the guys from Judah said, hey, just move over here in the southwest part. We won't even know you're there. Because <laughs> they took too much. And that was the will of God. That was the plan of God for them to take too much because it didn't just benefit them. It benefited a whole nother tribe beside them and their descendants. Listen, child of God. There are always going to be a lot of people in the church that don't believe like we believe. They won't accept it. They'll mock us. They'll find fault with us. They'll judge us. They'll call us materialistic, whatever you want to say. But... We better take too much. Is that right? Because we need enough for us and them too. We need enough to help finance some things that they'll never believe for. Outreaches. Mission work. Come on here with me. Do not be afraid you're going to take too much. Be concerned you don't take enough. Stand on your feet, everybody. Woo! Go!